You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Partido Partido podcast, the English-speaking podcast about all things Atleti. And here we are again, reviewing another season. Uh, it's not been the greatest season for Atletico Madrid, but it sure has been eventful. And uh, here discussing it with me is Sam. Uh, thanks for coming, Sam. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Welcome back to the podcast, and always a pleasure having you on with us. Uh, Emmanuel should uh, should be in in a few minutes, so uh, we'll start straight away. Uh, starting with the uh, final game of the season, Atletico uh, went to Anoeta, played La, La Real, uh, and uh, managed to clinch the win. Uh, and it sure have, was nervy at the end, uh, conceding late, but goals from Rodrigo de Paul and Angel Correa were enough for the three points and to secure the third place for Atletico Madrid. Uh, Sam, can you please give us your thoughts about that game? Yeah, well, it was kind of a, a game of two halves. The first half, Real Sociedad were by far the better team. No shots on target from Atletico. And Real could have been two, three goals up. I mean, quite lucky to go in 0-0 at halftime. Second half was much better from Atletico, and I think we just saw that cutting edge. I mean, Rodrigo de Paul, we've seen him be much improved in the last few weeks of the season, and he was fantastic. And then a great little goal from, from Angel Correa as well, a brilliant finish. So 
in the end, a, a good ending to the season, even with that injury time consolation goal for Real Sociedad. But I think that was kind of a good description of the, the season for Atletico, not making easy work of it, but just about getting across the line and, and doing what, what everyone hoped for. Uh, you mentioned uh, Rodrigo de Paul, and we'll discuss him in detail a few, uh, in, in a few minutes. Uh, but uh, this form he showed uh, in the last four, in the last few games of the season, uh, it was exactly what we were hoping for uh, when the when the signing was announced. Uh, it was what generated the hype and what everyone uh, expected to see uh, from the Argentine. Uh, so, uh, do you see him? Uh, do you see a change of role from De Paul? Uh, do you think that's what? Uh, made him improve or was it just him finding his feet at the club uh, with more game time? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both but to be honest, I think this change in the last couple of weeks has come from the change in position that he's had. I think Theo Simeon has me a little bit further up the field. I mean, he wasn't doing that in the first half against Real Sofia, but in the second half he moved him further up and I think that worked really quite well because it releases him from some of those defensive duties that I don't think are Rodrigo the Paul's strengths. And I mean, I know we've heard him talk about it a lot in the past, but he's kind of a, a Diego Simeone in the modern day. And I don't really think he is. I mean, I don't think he's got that kind of that fighting ability, that tough tackling. I don't think that's Rodrigo the Paul. I think his strength comes from being in a more advanced position. And we haven't really seen that this season. I think the last few weeks is the first time we've seen that. And obviously the goal against Elche, the goal against Real Sociedad. And I think he's looked a lot more threatening going forwards and, and that's what Let's Go need, but I think it kind of highlights as well the, the struggles that Diego Simeone's had with his options in midfield this season because we have only had Jeffrey Condogby as kind of the only holding midfielder available for most of the season. And so that's when the ball has had to play in a deeper role, has had to kind of do a bit more defensive work that maybe wouldn't do at another time. So I think hopefully this is a positive and we can see that maybe next season he'll be playing in that role more and and we can see kind of the benefits of that. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, that's another thing uh, we, we'll discuss later. And it's the it's it's not really been a great year for the midfielders for Atletico. Um, Koke wasn't really himself at all this season. Um, Llorente uh, was mostly playing as a right wing, wing back, but even when played as a midfielder, struggled. Uh, Lamar kept getting injured and Condogbia as well. While he was great in the second half of the season, was also struggling with injuries and didn't have a fantastic first se- uh, first half of the season. Uh, so uh, we, we'll discuss uh, many things in, in this episode, but one of them is uh, the what are the positions Atletico should strengthen the most uh, in in the in the summer, and do do you see uh, like a a pressing uh, do you see the midfield as a pressing issue for for Atletico to address, uh, especially with the struggling defense as well and Luis Suarez uh, leaving, so there's no center forward uh, in the team right now. Yeah, well, I mean, when you put it like that, I think Atletico can strengthen in every position. I mean, Lecomte, Loan, Will End, and Grivich will be coming back in goal. I guess that's a strength. And right back, for me, is the top priority because we can't have a full season with Simo Vesalico as first choice or Marcus Llorente as a makeshift right back. I just don't think that's sustainable long-term to 
Atletico being any good. I think centre-back, again, should be a high priority. I mean, it looks like Felipe is going to get a new contract, but I think Atleti need to be aiming a little bit higher than that. And again, if we're going to play with three at the back, I think we've seen this season that four or five options aren't the best. And let's see what happens with Mario Hermoso. Is he still going to be around come the end of the transfer window? Left back, I mean, left back, you could say that that's a, a comfortable position. I mean, with Renan Lodi, with Benilda, there's a lot of talk about Renan Lodi. If he leaves, who will replace him? Could that be Seoul, who's coming back and operating as a left wing back? Then looking at the midfield, as you just say, I think there's plenty of room for improvement there, especially with Hector Herrera leaving. And in attack, well, we've seen that, that Luis Suarez is leaving. There's rumours about Angel Correa, question marks over Antoine Griezmann. I mean, so many uncertainties that it's hard to say where Atletico should focus. If it were me, I think the first thing I would be looking to get sorted would be that right-back position because that's the the bare essential, I think. If Atletico can only make one signing this season, it should be right-back. We can get by with Coque, Rodrigo de Paul and Condogbio. We can get by with Saul playing a left-back if needs be, but you can't get by with Simeva Vesalico and Marco Chirente at right-back. Uh, it seems fitting, but uh, most of the links uh, so far uh, for the transfer window have been right backs for Atletico, uh, Nahuel Molina and uh, Klaus uh, from Lens uh, are the uh, seem like the priority signings, and both of them have excellent numbers. So we'll see uh, who Atletico end up signing. Um, and uh, another thing about Klaus, it's uh, he's quite an interesting profile because. Uh, he seems to be more of a, a right wing back, uh, more offensive minded than a right back. Uh, his defensive numbers, while decent, aren't the greatest. So it seems interesting that Atletico are targeting, targeting him, especially with the rumors that Simeone wants to free Marco Sirente uh, further up the pitch uh, for next season. Uh, so uh, that's something to. Uh, uh, to look into uh, in, in, the, in the next few weeks. Uh, so that answers a question that was sent from us from Bert uh, about the, uh, the right-back names being mentioned. Uh, and another thing uh, about that position in, in particular is that Versatico isn't really a... Uh, isn't certain to be a part of the squad next season uh, as his contract expires uh, on June 30th. Uh, but he is negotiating a new contract at the moment. Uh, it's uh, not clear if he's going to sign it, but Atletico are targeting uh, names uh, to both replace Trippier and uh, Versalico uh, with Pablo Mafio from Mallorca uh, being one of the names being mentioned. Uh, so what, what are your thoughts about the season that Mafio had? That who had, sorry? Uh, Pablo Mafio. The Mallorca right back. Ah, uh, yeah, I think he's been been very impressive. I think of all the options, he's perhaps the least exciting one, but almost that kind of not exciting because we know him because we've seen him in La Liga, we've seen him up close against Atleti, and he has always kind of been at one of those teams that's down towards the bottom, fighting for their lives. But he's always been one of the better players within those teams. So you know, it's kind of hard to to tell, to focus, and kind of really assess just how good he is and how good he could be in a team like Atletico because it's a very different game um, kind of on the front foot than, than being on the back foot in a team that, that is defending. So 
I think it would be interesting to see how he'd fit in Atletico. I think for me, the strongest option is is Klaus from Lens. I think he's a a really kind of promising player. I think he's the one who, for me, is the most similar to Gideon Trippier that could be kind of a like-for-like replacement. Um, But I think, yeah, Maffeo is is an excellent alternative. Very well. Uh, So, uh, we'll we'll return to the... uh, to talk about this summer and transfers uh, for the time being uh, just reflecting on the season that Atleti had uh, so many people had much higher expectations um, and you could say rightfully so after winning the league uh, so what 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 went wrong for Atleti this season were the expectations too high or was it something different that prevented this from being a another special season I think that part of it might have been the expectations. I think for the first time in a very, very long time this season, people thought that Atletico could defend their title, and I think that was always optimistic. But I think also there's elements of this squad. I think part of what made the squad so good last season was that there was a lot of unity, and they kind of came together, um, and it made a squad that was better than the individuals within it, maybe. This season, the signings, Rodrigo de Paul, I mean, a star with a big ego, Antoine Griezmann, a star with a big ego. And I think that unsettled things in the dressing room. I think that you could tell that, that there was friction, that the team were playing more like individuals than, than, than anything else. And I think you could really see that. And, and that's effectively what kind of disrupted the team early on in the season. Um, so I think it, it was a challenge and it's something that we didn't really see coming. Um, I think that's something that maybe Diego Simeone can learn from, that Andrea Berta can learn from. I mean, when you're signing these players, it's not just about their talents on the pitch, but about the the personality and how they fit in off the pitch as well. Um, so I think it's it's an interesting challenge for Atletico and... I think maybe we have moved past the worst of that now. I mean, they did recover the form and so on, but I think it's just also led to kind of a, an identity crisis from Atletico of, of not being clear of what what they want to do, what Diego Simeone wants his team to play like. And, and I think they've done that now. They've found a temporary solution, but long-term, that's going to need more changes. That's going to raise questions about how does Koke fit into this team um, do we stick with Josema Jimenez and his constant injuries and so on? I think there's a lot of questions that we forgot about last season that have come right back to the fore again this season. Mm. Yeah, that's an excellent point uh, you raised there. Uh, and it's the uh, the fact that the title win uh, last season uh, kind of overshadowed and blinded so many people uh, of the... Uh, of the uh, uh, Weak weak points in the squad. Uh, let's say the there are a lot of uh, sirens uh, in in the last in the second part of the season uh, last year. Uh, Atletico, while and while they had a phenomenal first half of the season, uh, picked up fifty points. In the second half of the season, they looked uh, dodgy in defense. They couldn't really. Uh, they had a lot of matches where they uh, struggled to convert chances and. Uh, I think that uh, those were like sirens, those were uh, alarming 
points for, for Atletico and they didn't really address any of them in the summer. Uh, there was a pressing need for a, uh, for a centre-back, who's uh, it's still a priority right now, uh, even though Reynaldo has been uh, excellent. Uh, he did turn things around in January. Uh, the defensive midfield, uh, Koke, uh, was a makeshift uh, defensive midfielder last season, and he did a phenomenal job. Uh, he struggled this season, and the only other defensive uh, Koke isn't really a defensive midfielder. Let's get that out of the way. Uh, so the only natural defensive midfielder in the squad was Kondogbia, and he uh, was struggling with injuries. Uh, so those are like the uh, the two mo- most obvious things that uh, weren't addressed in the summer, and hopefully they they go out and uh, you know uh, fix those problems in the squad right now. <laughs> yeah, and no, I think that has to be the the key and and the priority this summer. Okay. Uh, so with that out of the way, let's uh, move on uh, and discuss the players uh, in the squad and the season they had. Uh, starting with the goalkeepers, uh, we're skipping Leconte as he didn't really play any minutes <laughs> this season. Uh, let's talk about Jan Oblak. Uh, Sam, what are your thoughts about the season Oblak had? Well, I mean, I guess this is Jan Oblak's worst season since he came in, since he's really been first choice at Atletico, right? I mean, especially the first half of the season, there were lots of kind of basic mistakes, things that we just haven't seen from Jan Oblak in years. And so it kind of struck us as like, maybe another goalkeeper makes those same three, four mistakes and that's normal. We don't really talk about it. But with Jan Oblak, it was like, wow, what's going on? Um, I think he did pick up towards the end of the season. His form was much better, and I think he did save Atletico points like he always does um, at various points throughout the season. But I think maybe this is the first disappointing campaign from Jan Oblak. I mean, not even in contention for the Zamora Trophy. So I think maybe if we're going to give him a grade, what we're we doing out of 10, then maybe a 6 for Jan Oblak. Uh, I just what do you so. reckon? Yeah. You, you did mention that he. Uh, picked up form in the second half of the season and uh, I, it, do you think it was a, a confidence issue for, for Jan Oblak as his defense was struggling in the first half of the season but as they improved in the second half he didn't make as many mistakes uh, so do you think it was more of a confidence issue or was it Oblak just having an off season? Yeah, I think there was an element of it being confidence. I mean, I think it's quite obvious that with the defence performing quite so poorly in front of him, it made him uncomfortable. And I think there was also that kind of a, a, a spiral, downward spiral, that the defence made Jan Black feel a bit less confident. He would make a mistake. He would make the defence feel even less confident. They would play even worse and so on. It was a vicious spiral that just led to more mistakes, more goals conceded and... And it felt like it was never going to end, really, for Atletico. So I think, yeah, maybe a confidence issue. And I think it does, touch wood, seem to be sorted now. And I also think there was an element at the time, there was a lot of talk about Jan Black's future. Maybe there were some distractions there. And even off the field, I mean, it seems silly to talk about it. Maybe it's going too personal, too much detail. But I know that there's a lot of talk this season in the in some of the Spanish press about that kind of group that were very close friends of... Stefan Savic and, and Jan Orblak and um, a few other players and a lot of those players now have got partners and so on and Jan Orblak is single 
I mean, you know, you wonder if that's starting to affect him off the field, if he's not spending so much time with his friends and whatever, that maybe it does affect your concentration, your focus a little bit. So, I mean, so many different factors when we're talking about playing at such an elite level as Jan Black is. So it's hard to criticise him too much because for how many years in a row would we have given Jan Black a 10 out of 10? So the one year he's not 10 out of 10, I guess we have to cut him some slack. Um, so, uh, we're, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna say this about every player uh, in the squad, uh, starting with, obviously, Jan Oblak, uh, would you keep him, uh, for next season, uh, with a, with an idea in mind that his contract expires in 2023, uh, he is in, uh, negotiations to extend his contract, but if he doesn't, this will be Atletico Madrid's uh, last chance to, to get a transfer fee for him. Uh, so do you think Atleti should, if he doesn't renew his contract, do you think uh, Atleti should risk losing him for free? Or, uh, and, uh, or, or do you think they should go out and find a replacement? I think it's going to be very difficult seeing all the other areas in the squad that players have to be signed. I mean, what are Atleti realistically going to get for Yano Black? This summer, with a year left on his contract and nearing 30, I mean, 30, 40 million, can you sign a goalkeeper who's going to come in and immediately perform at that level? For that amount of money, probably not. And then you don't really have a backup goalkeeper. I mean, Ribic has been out on loan and not exactly convinced at Lille. So you can't really make him your number one. I think LFT needs to have one more year with Oblak and to find the replacement, if Oblak is going to leave, to have that 12 months for that that replacement to settle in or to scout that replacement and make sure that as soon as they come in, they're going to perform from day one. So for me, I would keep him whatever is going to happen with his contract. Well, uh, it's good news that uh, it seems that negotiations are uh, positive, that he is willing to extend, but not for a uh, very uh, not for a very long time, maybe two or three seasons, uh, which is plenty of time uh, to have one of the best goalkeepers uh, in the in the last decade. Uh, so uh, let's move on to defenders, uh, starting with uh, Jose Maria Jimenez. Uh, Sam, what, what are your thoughts about the season here? Well, this is another difficult one, I suppose, because when Osema Jimenez has played, I think we're talking about a, a 9 out of 10 season. He's been superb throughout all of the season. He's one of the few players who hasn't had a bad game, hasn't let the team down. And he has turned up in the big moments. I mean, we've seen him make some magnificent performances against Manchester United and so on. I think that was kind of him in his best. Um, then, on the other hand, how many games has he missed through injury? I mean, there's been a lot of games where, like that Manchester United game, he played through the pain and then missed the next three, four games. And that's always going to be Hossema's problem long-term. I mean, you could, it's great to have Hossema in the squad, but you know that you need a player to cover for him as well when he's inevitably injured. So... I think maybe with his injuries, you have to lower that score down a couple. So maybe I'd go for a, a 7 out of 10. Is that perhaps a little bit harsh? It's not harsh at all. Uh, I, I'd agree with you. And uh, Jimenez is quite a frustrating player. Uh, well, on the pitch, like you said, he's a commanding, uh, he's a commanding player, a, uh, one of the best uh, centre-backs in the world. But his injuries do spoil it a lot uh, and 
Uh, he missed, I think, 11 matches this season in the league alone, uh, five more in the Champions League. So uh, having him uh, is definitely uh, a positive for the squad, but, uh, you know, the injuries spoil it a lot. And uh, like we did with Oblak, uh, the idea that if an offer comes for Jimenez, uh, do you think Atleti should stick with him? Uh, now that is a that is a tough question. I think if there's an an offer for uh, I don't know what we're talking kind of fifty sixty million euros, which doesn't seem unreasonable in the current market, then yeah, maybe it is worth selling Jose Jimenez. I mean, as good a defender as he is, he is only that good a defender for the fifty percent of the games where he's actually available. Would you take somebody who's not quite at that level, but? will be available week in, week out. I mean, Reynildo is the perfect example. And we'll get on to Reynildo and his score a bit later on, but do we value having a Reynildo who's not as good as Josema, but you know that every week is going to be a consistent, solid, you know, 7 out of 10 performance or worse. I think maybe that is a debate that's worth having for Atletico if there is a big offer that comes in. But it's probably worth considering. Mm. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned the 50 or 60 uh, million uh, fee transfer fee. This is the uh, valuation uh, he has on transfer market. And uh, he is attracting interest from uh, Premier League sides, uh, namely Chelsea, who have wanted him for quite a few years. Uh, so, like you mentioned, uh, if an offer comes for uh, anything north of 50 million, I think it's uh, worth considering. And uh, I would uh, pull the trigger and uh, sell Josema in that, in that case, as difficult uh, a decision as it might be. Uh, Emmanuel, uh, you have been very critical of Jimenez in the past uh, for, for that very reason and his injuries. Uh, give us your two, your two cents about this. Well, firstly, the club who wants to compete for titles and your top centre-back doesn't play, hasn't played up to even 30 league games for the amount of seasons he has been at your club. That's not great. And in my opinion, I let him miss a huge opportunity to catch, on, catch out on him last season when the Premier League clubs were interested in him. I, for one, would like Josema to stay, but well, it is football and no things are just so. It's true, he's a fan favorite and all, but with him in the club, the club won't sign. With him staying at the club, at least he won't sign a center back. And with his continuous injuries, I think that's not really good for the club at least season. For example, take the fact that this summer at least are not successful in selling him also. And we are basically stuck with the same defenders we had last season. So that implies we will be relying on him for another season at our top centre-back. And we all know how his injury record is. So in my opinion, this season, at least he should make the most of it. And I'm sure there will be lots of family clubs interested. For example, Chelsea, given the fact that Ruziga will be leaving for Real Madrid. Christensen maybe for Barcelona. And they have a new owner who is willing to spend. So in my opinion, at least he cash out on him and take the money and they are, I think they are, like I've been saying, there are so many good centre-backs out there who I think will come at Atleti and will not take a longer time to adapt. So, I'm for the fact that I'm for, I'm for the fact that Atleti should sell him this summer. 
And for, as for his season, I don't think he has been that bad. But he has had games in which he was horrible, like the game against Liverpool in the Champions League where he was just going out of position. And he has had games like that. But he has also been brilliant. But his main problem is him not being reliable. The team cannot count on him. So if I let it tell him, then that's good in my opinion for the club. Very well. Uh, so moving on, uh, the next centre back is Stefan Savic, and uh, Sam, what are your thoughts about this season? Yeah, for me, he's been one of the best players this season. I'd give him kind of a solid, maybe even a nine out of ten. I think he's been reliable, consistent. He's been one of the leaders within the team. I mean, for me, one of the the few players who I think has lived up to expectations and formed as we might have hoped for. Um, this season so this discipline is, is still going to be an issue as it always is but I think I've been pretty impressed by him and and he's shown what he brings to the team I mean on and off the field I mean the scenes against Manchester City and everything at the very heart of it but that's what Stefan Savage was all about so I think I've, I've quite enjoyed watching Stefan Savage this season so yeah I'll be quite positive on him mm. Yeah, and, uh, he is one of the most, I think, satisfying players we have in the squad currently. Uh, one of the players that, uh, when you think of Cholismo, uh, most of the players you think of are uh, players that uh, came and left. Uh, let's say Gabi, Raul Garcia. Uh, Stevan Savic is the the most similar uh, to those players uh, in, in the current squad, in, the, in my opinion. And it's definitely a welcome addition that... <laughs> that he's an excellent uh, defender. Uh, while he was struggling for a few seasons uh, early on in his athletic career, uh, his last two seasons have been nothing short of phenomenal. Uh, so I think it's a unanimous yes that, to keep Stefan Savage uh, at the heart of the, of the defense. <clears throat> um, the next defender is Felipe and uh, quite a... Uh, I'll, I'll leave the talking for you, Sam. <laughs> You're going to make me talk about Felipe. I mean, I didn't realize that I was coming on the podcast to be tortured and made to suffer. Uh, no, Felipe, two years ago, I was one of his biggest fans. I thought he was fantastic. I wanted to get a tattoo of Felipe's face on my chest. And now I'm very glad that I didn't because I would have been going for a laser tattoo removal surgery to get it. <laughs> taken off he's been absolutely terrible I mean one of those players who you look at you watch and you think oh, I almost feel bad for you because it's just so clear that you're no longer at this level I mean he's clearly a really nice guy he's very popular he gets on with a lot of the squad but but man I mean his performances this season I mean he's just been so easily turned inside out so predictable and it's just been dangerous. I mean, you see him get yellow cards in the first five minutes of games and you just know that he's going to get sent off and inevitably 20 minutes later he does. And it's just, I mean, you just spoke there. We just spoke about Stefan Savage, or at least, I mean, that whole side of being very tough, very physical, but knowing where the limits are on managing games. Felipe doesn't do that. Felipe just barges through people, gets straight red cards, picks up double yellows. I mean, just none of that intelligence that you need. So yeah, a really disappointing season from him. I personally wouldn't have renewed his contract this season, but I mean, he has turned up with the odd goal. I mean, that injury time winner against Osasuna at the Metropolitano, I mean, earns him some points, but if I had to give him a mark out of 10, I think I'd be struggling to give him more than a 
a two or a three, I think, to be honest. Yeah, and I mean, for, for everything that you said, you're in Torch. Uh, I think I, I absolutely agree with everything you mentioned. And yeah, apologies for, for the torture there. Um, uh, Emmanuel, uh, it seems that Felipe, uh, I mean, I think we agree that we wouldn't offer him a new contract, but it seems that Atleti have already done that. Uh, so uh, we're, we're giving you a tough question. Well, what, what do you think is the, the idea behind renewing uh, Felipe? I think that's not the motive of the question, other than the fact that the club are not sure that they are going to sign a centre-back in the market, which is kind of surprising given the amount of centre-backs that are especially in France and for a very affordable fee for a club like Aliti. But it shows that the club have gone for a cheaper option and the new in Philippe, I don't really know why. It's really hard to understand the logic behind that given he was brilliant in his first season, but then the next two seasons he kind of flopped and Aliti had the chance to let him go and reinforce the defensive area, but they gave him another shot at the team and you have somebody like Nguyen Perez who just had a good loan spell at Udinev and you are thinking Nguyen should be having that place but now with Felipe in the team that means he's on the, up on the pecking order and it's really a tough question to answer like Sam said he, when he comes on gets early booking his positioning is kind of off he has had some good games here but he's been horrible all throughout the season so it's really tough to understand why the club is giving him a new contract. It's true he has been with the group for a long time and maybe with him in the team you have guys like Cunha, Luzi and Renido close to him and they speak Portuguese but it's really, really tough from a sporting perspective. I mean, this is a team that wants to fight for La Liga next as well. Cholo says the club's ob the board's objective is for them to finish in the top four but his objective is to win the Champions League. So that kind of says a lot about maybe a clutch of objectives because Cholo has been calling for that the fans deserve to demand more from the team but the owner seems satisfied the top four finish and constant championing money coming in so I think there's something going on we don't really know but that's is not I'm not surprised by that because we know Aliti are not well managed and Cholo marks a lot of things that those guys are doing so it's really tough to say as to why the club are giving him a new contract. Well, I would just go for the fact that he lost Aliti and he fights for the badge and he has people in the dressing room who are close to him. That's all I'll say. <clears throat> Very well. Um, so the torture continues with the next defender, and it's Mario Hermoso. Um, Sam, what, what are your thoughts about Hermoso? <laughs> um... Well, are we talking about Mario Hermoso, the central defender, or Mario Hermoso, the left winger who scores injury time goals all the time? Um, we'll, I mean, we'll try to find the balance <laughs> between the two. <laughs> I mean, I think it says a lot that his two, three best moments have all come playing as a left winger rather than as a centre-back. I mean, last season he looked so solid, so reliable, so at home with Jimenez and Savage, and this season he's looked like a liability and very uncomfortable, very nervous. He hasn't had any confidence. And I think it's a bit like Oblak that all of this feeds into each other and we're seeing kind of the struggles and and so on there. I think it's it's a challenge because, I mean, can Diego Simeone recover the best of Mario Hermoso or is it too far gone? Is he just not that good a player? Was last season an overperformance and this season is back to the norm? 
I mean, some big questions, and I think I would be tempted to allow him to move on and and just make his career for himself. I think he is better when he plays a week in, week out, and he feels at home, he feels comfortable, he feels assured that he's going to be a regular in the team. And for me, I'd much rather have Reynildo in the, the team than Mario Homos at the moment. Yeah, and uh, you said uh, it's uh, it's a big question whether uh, Hermoso uh, in the title-winning season was uh, an overperformance or uh, if is he just a good player. Uh, I'm leaning towards the fact that it was a massive overperformance, especially that he wasn't uh, he wasn't that good in the second half of the season either uh, of that title-winning uh, season. So uh, I think. Uh, if uh, an offer comes for say f- 15 million or uh, any similar fee I would sell him immediately uh, he was phenomenal in that part of the season uh, of of the 2021 season but uh, other than that we haven't really seen anything convincing from, from Hermoso uh, so uh, while his last minute goals are very uh very interesting to watch especially that bicycle kick goal that uh finished the uh finished the comeback for atleti uh, a 4-3 win at the metropolitano in the 91st minute i'm in disbelief even saying that but uh i do think uh an, an offer any offer for hermoso would be tempting and uh, i i would sell him uh, and uh, use that money for for a different defender, uh, and like you said, uh, having Ronaldo uh, in that left centre back position uh, is a massive upgrade, and that was I think the turning point of uh, Atleti's season. Uh, having a reliable defender in that position who really strengthened the defence, and uh, Atleti didn't really start having clean sheets week in week out until Ronaldo was introduced uh, in in that position. Uh, so, uh, what what are your thoughts about Ronaldo? Well, I said earlier that I wanted to get a Felipe tattoo a couple of years ago on my chest. Well, now I want a Ronaldo tattoo, but we just do, do it on my face. Like I love him that much. <laughs> Ronaldo is for me the signing of the season, not only for Atletico, but for me one of the best signings of the season in La Liga. I mean, the difference he made to the Atleti defense coming in and. I think it was just that, like I said earlier. I mean, he's just consistent. And I think that was what was missing was that we had Stefan Savic, who was good, but he'd have the odd off game. Then we'd have Kusama Jimenez, who would be good, but then he'd be injured. Reynildo is never outstanding. He's never the best player on the pitch, but he's always good. And he doesn't let you down. I mean, that's what I think has been so good about Reynildo, that, that you know what you get with Reynildo. He was a bargain signing. And he's played pretty much every game since he came on as a substitute against Barcelona and hasn't looked back to him. Um, so uh, those are the centre-backs that Letty had for that position. And uh, I think uh, it's. Uh, I think we all agree that uh, Atleti should be in the market for another centre-back. Uh, they have been linked with a few names, but uh, it doesn't seem that uh, negotiations are advanced for any of them. Uh, so we'll see how that... Uh, how that plays out in the summer. Uh, obviously, the uh, you know the athlete, the player that Atleti can uh, sell and generate money the most out of is Hermoso, and I do think he will be on his way out uh, for in, in the summer. Uh, so uh, the 
next player uh, I'd like to talk about is uh, Renan Lodi. Uh, what are your thoughts about Lodi's season? I think he's been very up and down. I think, you know, we've had possibly Renan Lodi's best performance season and Let's Go shirt, but two or three. And other than that, I mean, a season is, well, including the Champions League, the Copa del Rey, I mean, we're looking at, what, 50 games a season. And I think Renan Lodi for five, ten of those has been excellent. And for the other 40 has been pretty disappointing. So, I mean, there's a lot of talk of Newcastle's interest and 60 million euro bids and this kind of thing. If that's the case, then cash in now. I mean, he's young players with potential, but he's never looked at home in that left-back role or in the left-wing-back role. And I think he's just not defensively sound enough. And if we're talking about him as a left-winger, is he good enough for Atletico Madrid as a left-winger? I mean, he's shown that he can do it on the odd occasion, but I don't think Atletico need to save 60 million euros just for the sake of an, an inconsistent winger rather than a, a left-back. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And my my biggest issue with Lodi is that uh, he was signed as a promising left-back, but we haven't really seen him improve at all uh, at Atletico. Uh, he was, he, he's always struggled uh, with crossing. Uh, like you said, he's not the greatest defender around. Uh, but he is attracting interest with a lot of high fees uh, from the uh, from the English teams. Uh, so uh, I'm uh, I agree with you that uh, Atleti should uh, cash in and get uh, uh, get a replacement, uh, and especially with names like uh, like uh, Owen Vindal and Jose Luis Gaia being on the market. Uh, so uh, I would cash in right now, and uh, you know. Uh, it's it's almost like Atleti can upgrade in, in that position, uh, whilst also make, making money. If those uh, if there's any truth to those rumors, uh, Emmanuel, uh, what are your thoughts about this? I think you guys have said everything, almost everything about consistent. He hasn't he hasn't improved, but the the reason why he's attracting interest is due to due to his profile and his profile. A more projection-based club, a club which has a club which has uh, a more projection-based club and a club which attacks a lot and gives their footballs a lot of freedom and has less defensive work, which is why I think it attracts a lot of interest from Premier League clubs. But if there's one thing he has improved, I think is his crossing, and that's really down to the fact that he has found himself in acres of spaces between crossing to the box. But and this is having a good fee for him this summer would be great for the club. But the issue always comes in with the club bringing a good profile. Yes, there are players who are available like Gaia, but you are not sure if the club are going to go for those options because with Alexi, it's like everything is possible. You may see and they just go and they get someone from somewhere you don't even know and maybe someone not even good as Luffy. So it's really tough. The squad need upgrade. They are saying that we have to sell before we bring in players, but then again, how are we going to spend the money? We don't really know because a lot of question marks on the players they are going to bring in. Okay, so uh, next on the list is uh, Sime Versalico. Um, uh, Sam, what are your thoughts about uh, Versalico's season? I think it's actually been weirdly positive. 
Um, I mean, if you asked us a year ago, should Simeo Asalico get a new contract? I think we would have said no, no chance. And now maybe we do have that doubt. And I think that's because of his performance. I mean, he's he's put his body on the line at time. I mean, again, game against Porto, where he played for 45 minutes with his face hanging off, basically. And I mean, you know, that's very cholismo, like we spoke about with Stefan Savage, very similar kind of thing. And I think he has filled in and performed probably better expected. I don't think he's the kind of quality that Atletico need, but I think maybe if he's on cheap wages, he's worth keeping around the place just as a as a backup option. He can play in a back three, he can play as a wing back and and you know what you're gonna get with him. He's gonna have his injuries, he's gonna struggle at times, but but he'll be around, he'll be available and, and he'll do whatever it takes. And uh, for the uh, contract negotiations, uh, it seems that Atleti offered him half his current salary, and uh, he's not—he's uh, not certain. Uh, he's unsure of uh, this current offer, and uh, it seems that he's thinking about his future at the moment. Uh, I wouldn't mind him uh, staying as a backup option, like you said. Uh, but uh, it seems that Atleti are uh, have lined up replacement if he if he doesn't. So. Uh, we'll see how that plays out in the summer. Uh, so that's it for the uh, defend for the defenders in the squad uh, for this season. Unless you want to count uh, Marco Sirente as a right back, and that's the next player we'll discuss. Uh, what are your thoughts about Sirente's uh, season, Sam? Well, on the face of it, I think we have to start off by saying it was disappointing after last season. I mean, so many goals, so many assists, and then this season. None of that. Um, I think we have to be honest and, and start there. But then I think we also have to kind of say, like, look, okay, Marco Llorente this season isn't playing in the same role or anything at all like that, like we had last season. So I think we have to judge him fairly by that. I think he's got the job done. I don't think it's been a role he's enjoyed particularly. Um, but, I mean, you know, it is what it is with Marco Llorente. I think he's a very talented player. And the talk is, as you mentioned earlier, that the plan is to get a right back who can allow him to bomb forward a bit more and, and resume that kind of role he had early last season. So hopefully that is the case. Um, and and we can do that. And, and that would would really help to get the best out of him again. So a frustrating season for him, a frustrating season for us watching him, but I think one that's, that's worth being patient for. Okay, a tough question coming up. And it's... Uh... If, say, uh, he attracted interest from a certain club and uh, he is, I think, one of the uh, highest uh, uh, highest valued players in the squad uh, because of that phenom- phenomenal season he had uh, in the title winning campaign. Uh, if, say, uh, 60 million uh, offer comes, would you sell your ente? I would be tempted not to just because I think his performances last season, I think Atletico could have demanded more than 60 million. And hopefully next season we'll have more performances like that. And Atletico could demand more than 60 million euros again. But also just because he's one of those players, and there's very few in this Atletico squad, who you can say that Diego Simeone could build a squad around. And I think he does have that influence, that potential, that there's that possibility. So mm. I would keep hold of him even for 60 million euros. Very well. Uh, Emmanuel, uh, the next player uh, we'll discuss is Kondogbia. Uh, what are your thoughts about Kondogbia's season? 
personally, I think he's been a little, a little best player this season. Despite the fact he's been in and out of the team due to injuries. Colombia, in the second season, Aleti has done quite well, in my opinion. Due to the, Aleti has been in Chambos this season. Their midfield has been torn apart on several occasions. Very Colombia there is like the guy who puts everyone together and makes things stable along with Renudo, you just you have just talked about. And Colombia's strengths are mostly ball winning and covering the ball and giving it to those who do it better and who are able to manipulate it, do better things with the ball. And that's what he has been. He has done especially towards the end of the season. The Champions League game against United and against City was just brilliant. And he's someone who we have complained in the past about for the fact that he's not the fastest with the ball. He takes time to make decisions or give passes. But in those games, he showed that he showed improvement passing, and it was great. And in the games, we have seen a little press play with high intensity, play with high press. You have seen him as this for this. The force behind that and he's like the one who initiates everything so he's been brilliant and having him at this club next season is great and but i don't think going forward let's see we're going to do well with having him as the starting option even alicia we are like like beth said on twitter we have been spoiled when we had rodri and party and now Colombia is not i will not say he's Worse than them, but he's not at that level because those guys were good manipulator of the balls. And Colombia is not really that bad of the ball. He's really a beast and he's really unplayable when he's at his best in midfield. And his best games this season were against South Africa on the match they won. Then you have the Champions League games and also have the connection he has created with Lodi. And especially when Lodi plays as a left wing back, so he's really been fantastic. This is a lot of praise for him, apart from the fact that he's been. In, in and out of the team due to injuries. And uh, another thing about Kondogbia, uh, and or any defensive midfielder, uh, is that uh, he uh, provides security and allows uh, the pole to be more uh, to play in more advanced position. Uh, allows Irante to play in, in a more advanced position. It allows Koke more time on the ball. So. Uh, I think it is essential that uh, I, I would keep hold of Kondogbia, but I think it's essential to sign uh, another defensive midfielder. Uh, would you agree with me there, Sam? Yeah, I think Kondogbia has been absolutely excellent, but I think we do need an alternative there to even just to rest him, to, the, to be able to get the best out of him going forwards and and just to not depend on him quite to the same extent that we have this season. That when he's not there, you can you can really tell the difference. Very well. Uh, so uh, a player that we sort of skipped from the defense uh, from the defenders, but uh, he was signed uh, in January to sort of replace Trippier, but he only played uh, I think one half, uh, and it was against Barcelona. It's Daniel Vaz. Uh, he got injured in that match and he hasn't gotten any minutes since uh so uh that's a a question we got from uh, danish khan and what's what's the deal with vas uh, what, what do you think sam well i mean i think it was a signing which kind of made sense at the time thinking long term they could come in be the right back solution for now then end up being a central midfield cover option and be a bit more flexible. 
end of the day is that he got that injury. He wasn't available. Vesalico came back to fitness and played well. Vass hasn't had another look in. Um, who knows if something went on behind the scenes with Vass and Simeone after that whole injury and the fiasco there. Was he injured? Wasn't he injured? Did Simeone force him to play or not? Um, and now it looks like Vass is going to leave this summer. So I think you have to say waste of money from Atletico Madrid to to sign him and pay his wages for six months. Not necessarily on him, but just for squad planning, really. Yeah, and uh, it it seems it seemed like he was uh, he was doubting his uh, his ability to continue at the top level even before Atleti signed him, uh, as he was planning to go back uh, to Denmark uh, before Atleti came uh, knocking on on Valencia uh, to sign him in January. Uh, so it does raise a question the, uh, why Atleti went went for him, and uh, you know, uh, like like I said, it's uh, very poor squad planning from from Atletico there. Uh, and again, like you said, it made sense at the time, but I think right now it makes sense uh, for him to move on. Uh, so uh, with that, we will move on and we uh, will talk about Koke. Uh, what are your thoughts about Koke's season? I thought he started well. Um, to be honest, in August, September, I thought he looked pretty good. Kind of a continuation of last season and then he... Had a couple of injuries, faded very quickly, and just hasn't looked quite right. I mean, I think in this setup, he's always looked a little bit lost, not sure of what his role is or where he fits into this team. And I think we're still seeing that today. I think we're seeing that he doesn't really fit into either of these midfield roles. He doesn't really look his most fit. I mean... I think this is a difficult season for, for Koke and one that he'll be glad to see the back of. And I think he needs to have a, a rest over the summer. You can't forget he was at the Euros last summer as well. So he needs to have a rest this summer and hopefully in, in August he'll come back a little bit more fit, a little bit more sharp and and we'll see the Koke of old come back because we all want to see that, Aleti. Absolutely. Um, and... Uh... The the next player, obviously, DePaul. We did talk about him earlier. Uh, there are uh, there were some rumors about uh, some Serie A teams uh, being interested in him. Uh, Emmanuel, uh, would you keep DePaul for for another season uh, if uh, a big offer comes for him? Well, that's surprise. Not me. Question on cookie bed. Never, never mind. As for DePaul, well. I think it's just his first season at Aliti and as I personally, I always have expectations of players who come to Aliti to kind of struggle at their first season and not just get from, not just start from the world goal and before he kind of had a good start but kind of faded, faded off and my opinion, he was losing his fault, all his fault, was kind of a mixture of him going out of form and solo, playing him in so many positions and in the end, you don't really know where you are playing. And so, um, if Aleti are planning on keeping for the for next season, then I think Tolo will have to maybe rethink things on where he will have to play the ball, given his best when he has the ball in the position half and can make things happen from there. Like, for example, at the start of the season, he received so much praise because we saw that his vision in his play. And even though he kind of, I think at times when he was out of form, led to a, ton, a lot of turnovers, which kind of little counter attacks, but that's a risk you always take with players like DePaul. So 
from the one I'm keeping from next team because we need that extra creativity and a little struggle to beat the team in the bottom half of the league division and lo- lost a lot of points between them. And there was even a tweet about a little, if a little were able to take just maybe three quarters of the points they lost against teams in the bottom half of the table, then they would have been in for the title race. And that was due to the fact that Leti lacked creativity in those games. So keeping the ball is good for the squad, but that all depends on the plans to have for Leti next season. Very well. Um, the the next player uh, is Lamar. Uh, Sam, what are your thoughts about Lamar's season? Yeah, another one of those players I think we haven't seen the best of this season. Um, I don't think he's been been bad, but I don't think we've seen the best of him either. So, I mean, just kind of doing enough to to still deserve a place in the squad and, and so on, but not doing enough um, to necessarily stand out this season. So, difficult one to judge, but I think he's earned a, kind of the respect of Aleti fans now to allow him that he's had a kind of a few niggling injuries that kept interrupting him so so a difficult season for him as well I guess. Um, it's worth mentioning with Lamar that he will uh, like Oblak uh, be out of contract in 2023 so uh, if he doesn't renew his contract and uh, there are rumors that he is uh, in doubt uh, it's uh, it's doubtful that he will uh, he will sign uh, a new contract so uh, What would you sell him? Uh, would you uh, cash in uh, on him this summer uh, if he doesn't renew? Uh, I think you have to with a player of his age and the transfer fee he could potentially command. I'd be reluctant to. I think Aleti will try and tie him down. But I think if he doesn't want to stay and he makes that clear, then then yeah, you have to cash in and... And try and bring back some of that investment because it was a big investment. Was it 70 million euros to recoup some of that money? I don't think I'll let you a club that can afford to make big signings like that and allow them to leave. Mm. Yeah, and uh, another thing with Lamar is that uh, Monaco uh, will get 20% of any transfer fee uh, as that was part of the deal when he was signed. Uh, so, uh, Atleti... Uh, I mean, they they shouldn't accept a low fee. Uh, they should, uh, you know, try to get some some of the uh, uh, money they invested in him uh, three summers ago. And uh, with names like uh, Soler being on the market, I think uh, a it's a golden opportunity for for Atletico. Uh, they could uh, get uh, that special offer from Valencia. Uh, with as uh, it seems like they were asking for uh, I think 60 or 70 million for both Gaia and Solaire uh, wrapped up nicely so uh, I do think Atleti would be uh, sort of upgrading two positions if the say Lamar and uh, Lodi do leave uh, and Atleti get bo- both both of those players in uh, well I do think Solaire uh, like I, I wouldn't say he's a Uh, I wouldn't say he's an upgrade on Lamar, but he definitely is more available. Uh, and it's sort of a Jimenez position uh, with uh, Lamar at this point. Uh, it's that he keeps getting injured, even though he's playing well. Uh, so uh, I think if, say, an offer comes for Lamar uh, that gets Atleti most of their money back, uh, I would I would sell him uh, at this point, uh, assuming he doesn't renew his contract, of course. Hmm. 
so uh, next next up is uh, uh, Yannick Carrasco, and uh, I do think he's been uh, one of the uh, best players uh, in the Athletic squad this season. Uh, Sam, what are your thoughts about him? Yeah, for me, I mean, I know Emmanuel said earlier that he's player of the season with Condovia. For me, the player of the season has been Carrasco. I mean, one of the few players who, even when his form hasn't been as good, he's still been good. When his form has been good, he's been outstanding and he's won points for Atletico single-handedly. So, for me, the best player that Atletico have had this season and very fortunate to have him in the squad. Um, and uh, after a, a season like that, obviously uh, attracting interest, uh, again, Newcastle, and uh, it seemed like his uh, release clause is 60 million. So, uh, I mean, it's we, we at least don't have a say if the release clause is paid, but uh, if they have some uh, room for negotiations, uh, would you accept that fee for Carrasco? No, if I were Atletico Madrid, the, my top priority this season would be to sign a new contract with Carrasco and to increase that, that release clause to a much, much, much higher figure. I think £60 million is is a bargain for, for a player of Yannick Carrasco's quality. Um, okay, so uh, another player we skipped was Hector Herrera, uh, who is on his way out of the squad, but uh, Emmanuel... Uh, what what are your thoughts about the sort of uh, season that Herrera had, and uh, do you think Atleti should be in the market for a replacement for him? Well, uh, well, uh, I think Herrera had an okay season as he was a squad player, a player you count on to come off the bench and fill in a role for someone who was absent. Yes, we know he has some weaknesses, but there were games in which he played and he was really quite good and we were like, like wow, he really he really had that in him. And him leaving opens up a spot for Alex to sign another player and a defensive midfielder, which we were all hoping that would be Kamara, but Aston Villa signed him, so hopefully the club can get a replacement for him. Because like Sam just talked about, he's going to sign another guy, maybe to rest Colombia or maybe as a starting option. For the defensive holding me position. Mm-hmm. Very well. Uh, so uh, that's it for uh, midfielders. And next up is the forwards, uh, starting with the, the big investment, João Felix. Uh, what are your thoughts about Felix's season, Sam? I think this season has been his best season. I mean, again, injuries have kind of robbed him of really selling when he's been in his best form. But I think he's. He's shown us what we expected of him when he joined. And I think now we can feel a lot more positive, especially than early in the season when he was struggling a bit. But I think now we can be positive that, yeah, in Jao Felix, we have a player who can be a, a star to build a team around and to to make a, a future out of it. I think he's been, been very good, very promising and, I think there's more to come from him and I think even Diego Simeone who had some doubts it seemed has been convinced that they have plenty to offer. Yeah, and it seems like he's finally fitting to the uh, Simeone ideas. He's finally, uh, you know, buying into that. Uh, we're seeing him uh, run more on the pitch. We're seeing him uh, we're seeing him better positioning himself. Uh, he had uh, I think four matches in a row where he scored in the first minute of the game. 
he was essential in uh, quite, quite a few matches. He scored uh, against Manchester United in the in the Champions League. Uh, I think uh, of the season, uh, João Felix uh, is something to be built upon, uh, and hopefully uh, we do see that from him because that was finally what we were hoping to see. That was finally the. Uh, the all hyped up uh, Felix that Atleti paid uh, the big money for, and uh, I think Helmarin uh, uh, signed him as a uh, as a player to sort of build a future uh, uh, with, sort of uh, build a squad around. Uh, he's the big investment in here, and uh, he's here to stay. Uh, and uh, Atleti uh, have made him. Uh, untransferable uh, for uh, uh, he was attracting interest, but uh, according to many reliable journalists, he uh, Atleti don't want to sell him and don't want to negotiate that. Uh, and with a high release clause, uh, three hundred and fifty million, uh, I I think Atleti, if he if he's willing to stay, then he is not moving in the summer. Uh, so uh, up next, we will discuss Antoine Griezmann, uh, Emmanuel. I mean, where to start with him? Well, to be honest, I'm not a fan of Griezmann coming back or maybe staying in the squad because I think Aleti kind of got the money which was right for Griezmann because he was kind of, he kind of arrived at the place point where he was stagnant and he, kind of, he started dropping. But the club went for him, which was quite a surprising move, and in a chaotic summer last for Aliti. So for Griezmann, this season is like he had, I would say, ill luck because it's like the ball will not go in for him. He has, he's one of those. He's like he's the player who has missed the most big chances in the squad. So like in front of goal, he lost his touch, the touch which we know he had. Was in this squad twenty plus goal for Aliti, so was kind of waiting that bet. Another aspect of his game which kind of helped the team this season was the creative aspect. That is his ability to link, to drop dribbling, up play between the lines, create chances for others. That's what was displayed in the later games of the season. And that's something maybe him playing at the club, Cholo tries to exploit because there have been games in which I think the game against Betis for sure, in which he was able to drop into midfield, give Aleti superiority and his progression to. That might be his new role, playing further and further away from the goal. Maybe similar to that of which he has in France, where he plays behind Karim Benzema and Kylian Mbappe. So, if this man stays, I'm not really in, in for him staying. But, well, if he stays, then maybe, just maybe, if an offer comes for Lima, then I will take it. But him staying, I'm not really, really, really a fan of him. But he's just had a, I don't know what to say, poor good season, but... It's just been an awkward season, given despite the fact he still had, he still among the top three of good contributions in all conditions for Aliti. Mm. I mean, he had uh, some good performances this season, especially in the Champions League. Uh, he was the top scorer. He scored a brace against Liverpool. He carried, uh, I would say, carried the team to to the round of sixteen after that amazing, uh, amazing performance he had against Porto. Uh, but uh, after that, he got injured, and uh, that sort of uh, put his season uh, in a very weird position where he, after he returned from injury he was absolutely horrible he just couldn't, couldn't really have uh couldn't score to save his life he 
I mean, it was a very tough season for, for the Frenchman, uh, but it does seem that he will stay for next season. And uh, what, what are your thoughts about that, Sam, especially with his high salary? Yeah, I don't particularly see the logic behind it. I mean, he's a, he's a Cholo player. He plays in a Cholo way. He drifts back. He covers. He does the defensive side of work. He does all that graft, but he's never going to game the headlines and make everybody love him but he does offer something but I don't think he's he's really worth the wages or so on because for those wages you could bring in a, a top quality number nine and I don't think that Antoine Griezmann is a top quality number nine anymore mm. Very well uh, so um, next up is uh, Angel Correa and uh, you, uh, Sam, you said Carrasco was your player of the season. Uh, Emmanuel said Condogbia was his. I'd say Correa is mine. Uh, he uh, he had the most goals uh, in the squad. And uh, while he was, uh, uh, let's say, struggling a bit in, in the second half of the season, uh, he, I mean, he's, you know, he has an eye for goal. He has that... Uh, uh, period every every season where he just scores every game and uh, he's always a uh, a brilliant player to have off the bench. Uh, so, but it does seem that uh, he is frustrated with the uh, minutes uh, he's getting and uh, obviously, I mean, whatever he's doing, he's just not being the first option. Uh, he has Griezmann ahead of him. He has Felix ahead of him. So, uh, what what are your thoughts about this current situation, Sam? Yeah, it's a, it's a strange one for me. Angel Correa's performances this season are deserved and earned him a spot as kind of regular first choice. I think he, he's been playing that well. And if I was him, I'd be asking why not as well. And I think, especially with Antoine Griezmann coming in um, early in the season when Correa was in his best form, maybe even. And he basically took his spot when he was playing superbly and Griezmann didn't exactly set the world like to start with. I mean, it's fair enough that he would have questions about his future and what his role will be and and why Cholo Simeone doesn't seem to trust him with that starting role. Um, Emmanuel, uh, up next is Cunha. And uh, he, he was signed uh, in a sort of weird... Uh, he was put in a weird position as uh, Atleti were uh, in for a number nine and he's not really that. He's more of a second striker, but uh, he became a fan favorite in that season. Uh, what are your thoughts about Matthias Cunha? Well, I have always said I will wish for Tulu to make Cunha to Atleti what club did with Firmino for Liverpool, that make Cunha be a striker. I, I for one thing, he has the quality to be dash to be a striker and even he has played as a winger before, he's ex he has excellent footwork and his link-up play and also can play chances for others, give him a type of profile to play as a nine for Aliti. My opinion, Aliti going for a striker is not bad, but I would love for the club to go for a striker. Maybe so have someone who can serve as a competitor to Cunha because with Suarez going, we have to replace him, but that Suarez said I will not be in favor of Aliti going for another striker, but Coming back to Cunha, he's fantastic. He's a guy who has walked his way from a guy who was just top in the last minute of the game to regular top, and now even towards the end of the season, he started some games that showed his progress over the course of the season, and he was patient, and his game time came, and that was great. 
and I'm looking forward to the next season because I expect much for him. And just to come back to Korea, like what Sam said, Korea has been doing so well and it seems he can't get a starting position in Toulouse. So I wouldn't blame him forcing the move out or leaving the club where he was going to be a regular starter because it's really quite... There's no logic behind it because you don't have someone at the best of his game and you have another guy who is not even doing... Who is at the other people of the curve and you have that other guy that he won. It doesn't make any sense, but Korea has been loyal and he loves Aleti and stayed at Aleti. So let's see what happens over the summer. Very well. Uh, so uh, you mentioned the uh, the pursuit of a striker. Uh, Sam, do, do you see a number nine as a priority in, in the summer right now? Yes and no. I think, to be honest, we have to be honest and say that Atletico's budget isn't that big um, and that we have to compromise. And Mateus Cunha could be the man who steps up this season. I think there's enough players, especially if Griezmann stays in the squad in that attacking department that they don't need to add another one. I mean, we've already got so many in Alvaro Morata coming back from his loan as well. Remember, I mean, it's likely that he'll be sold, but, but still even then, I mean, just so many players in that area. Do we need to invest there more than we need a holding midfielder, more than we need a right back? Probably not. So I think maybe we can make do with Mateus Cunha, but if any of them leave, Angel Correa leaves, for example, that would be a huge blow, if you ask me. If he leaves, then it's essential to go and get a number nine. Absolutely. And of course, uh, this comes after Luis Suarez uh, uh, leaves the club after his contract expires. And uh, negotiations didn't really uh, succeed uh, to to give him a new contract. So, um, uh, I mean, it was a rough season for Suarez, uh, especially with the, his uh, uh, his physical form. Uh, he hasn't really been able to to run at all, really. But he was uh, a uh, he was a good finisher, and uh, he did uh, have some bright. <clears throat> Uh, some bright performances this season, mainly his uh, uh, fantastic display against Barcelona, uh, where he scored and assisted uh, in the match. So uh, a, he was given a nice uh, sending off in the Metropolitano in the last uh, in the last uh, home game of the season against Sevilla, and uh, uh, we'll see how uh, Atleti replace him uh, in the summer. Uh, so uh, this uh, covers all the players in the squad, and uh, we uh, did talk about uh, who, who the uh, players Atleti should target in in the summer. Uh, who the what are the main positions at least? Uh, so this only leaves one question left, and uh, uh, I'll, I'm gonna leave this one for you, Sam, because uh, you're the one close to them. Uh, as you go to the Metropolitano regularly, and uh, who is the Atletico Madrid player uh, who would be the most fun to hang out with? Uh, who do you think it is? <laughs> the most fun to hang out with? Um, I think well, there's a lot of candidates within that current squad. If I had to pick one, I think it could even be Yannick Carrasco. I think seeing his... No, actually, I'm going to change my mind. Not Yannick Galasco, I think he's kind of the, the party goer and so on. But I think the most fun to hang out with would be Stefan Savic because he just comes across as absolutely mental. I mean, I feel like with Yannick Galasco, you could go for a night out and it might feel like you're going for a party with your mates. But with Stefan Savic, I feel like you're going to have a night that 
you would never forget <laughs> for the rest of your life. And it would not be anything like any party you've ever been to before. So I think for me, it would have to be Stefan Savage. And even if it's just because if you end up in a fight or something on your night out, then I'd rather have Stefan Savage on my side than, than coming up against me. Very well. So uh, I think we understand uh, Ian Oblak's uh, position and why he's so close to him. Uh, so, yeah, uh, this brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for uh, joining us, Sam. Thanks for having me on, guys. And, of course, Emmanuel, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. And, of course, thank you guys for sticking with us. Uh, remember, and see you in the next episode.